Welcome back, everyone. I'm so excited to have you joining us for a very, very special roundtable with some very elevated women that I'm super excited to introduce you to. We are going to be talking about marketing today. And because all of you are thought leaders and innovators and change makers, we really want to pour into you today with some things that we see are working, some things that we see aren't working because the landscape's changed, right? In the online space, we've got AI being introduced in a big way now. We've got a new platform, uh, Threads at the time we're recording this. It's like maybe a week old or something like that. Nicole, I know you, uh, <laughs> you're you smiling because you're all over that. But anyways, we, we know how important it is for you to serve a lot of people. And sometimes we can we can be marketing and things are going well. And then all of a sudden there's a halt and there can be a lot of reasons for that. But sometimes it's just that the tactic no longer supports the business model or the offers or the audience we're speaking to or various things like that. So I had brought together a panel of incredible, uh, very successful business women to pour into you today. And we're gonna see what kind of conversation we have. So Eleanor, I'm gonna actually start with you. Yes. So uh, my name is Eleanor Beaton. I have a company called Sappy Media. We are on a mission to double the number of women entrepreneurs who sustainably scale past a million in annual revenue by 2030. We do that through business coaching, entrepreneurship education, storytelling, and then consulting with like the ecosystem of folks who support women entrepreneurs. Um, and so the question was, how has marketing changed in the post-COVID world? Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So I would say, I mean, here's what I have observed. So essentially what we saw during COVID was that all of a sudden um, there was a huge pressure and a necessity for countless people to begin marketing online. And so that's when you saw digital, anybody who owned any kind of digital agency, anybody who helped people with online marketing, that like there was huge demand and need for their services and, you know, big saturation in terms of more and more people's choosing to use online vehicles, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever it was, webinars, podcasts, YouTube channels to market their businesses. And I always think that's a good thing. Like that's the beauty, you know, of our digital world. You don't have to like spend tons of money on billboards. If you're creative, you can create great digital marketing that is often fairly low cost to do. And so I think that was a really great thing. As far as the impact that it's had, what I have personally seen is that the, the, um, the requirement, like as you start to have more and more people enter a space, the requirement to be on with your message, to be able to deliver micro content, be able to share what makes you unique quickly. Um, that bar has raised as you started to have more and more people coming into the space. And so it requires a level of focus, a level of excellence. I know there's a, you know, folks here who really help in terms of client attraction, nailing that message that has just never been as important as it is now. Um, and so, you know, I think the barrier, you know, the type of messaging and marketing that you could come out with in 2018, like it just won't cut it in 2023. You, we need to be better. Um, we need to be more focused on it. And that's been probably one of the biggest changes and shifts that I've seen 
is just the standard that's required. I love that. Thanks for sharing that, Nicole. I see you nodding. If you wouldn't mind introducing yourself quickly first and then chiming in on that. I'm Nicole Sharihess. I'm a seven-figure strategist um, that built my business to a million dollars in my first year. Actually, in the middle of COVID, um, I help my clients to, yes, build client attraction systems, but to do this in such a way that's more sustainable, um, building out the, the entire infrastructure of a business rather than just building towers. We're building empires and doing this in a very fun, creative, full saturation branding kind of way. Um, I actually worked with casinos prior to COVID um, in the bar industry. I was a bar consultant and took companies from doing like, uh, you know, between like 15K a week to 150K a week, um, really scaling in those proprietary systems and working with their teams to be able to do that. One of the things that's so interesting um, in reflecting on what you were saying with this, Eleanor, is really that Yes, there's a higher standard of excellence, but there's also a massive shift in the money mindset component um, of how people are perceiving online worlds um, and where the value association comes in. And so, you know, in working with the service industry, I definitely saw this crazy jump because all of a sudden, I mean, every casino, every bar, every restaurant in town was closed. And so people were massively out of jobs and nobody knew what to do, right? And so there, there was this huge jump in resourcefulness where energetically everybody was required to shift, to rise, to become this next version of themselves. I mean, very, very quickly, like literally overnight. And the people that did were able to create meccas. I mean, I built a million dollar business um, in the middle of COVID when supposedly nobody had any money, right? Which was definitely not the case. And so there was this zeitgeist change in what was expected of us and also creating a different frequency of safety um, that really came into us relying on ourselves um, rather than relying on you know external sources for revenues that we had to really become independent very very quickly it was a coming of age story for a lot of us mm. thanks for sharing that nicole desiree what are you first of all if you don't mind introducing yourself and then uh chiming in on this yeah. So I'm Desiree Stafford and I help coaches and other transformational business owners attract a steady flow of the right clients at the right prices. And um, I would say I've seen a lot of um, what Eleanor and Nicole have just shared, especially the coming of age and realizing that we have to take ownership, right? Like we can't depend, depend on the economy doing well. We can't depend on anything else doing what we want it to do in order for us to feel safe. We have to learn how to create that safety within and I feel like, well, at least for a lot of my clients, it has been this period of awakening more to their spiritual power. Like that's a lot of what I focus on when I talk about helping my clients free themselves. It's really about getting in touch with that higher version of themselves. So they feel grounded. They feel safe no matter what's going on around them so that they can create um, whatever it is that they want in terms of income and in terms of impact, regardless of trends, regardless of anything else. And I think that shift in consciousness has been massive for our industry. And it's a fun way to play, in my opinion. Mm, I love that. Joy, why yeah, introducing you. yourself and chiming in? <clears throat> I'm Joy Buffalini, creator of Simplify to Multiply. And I help my clients skip the complicated strategies and the heavy tech strategies and the launches and the funnels and all the things and really do their soul work in the world. And I've seen so much of what you have said as well. And I'll shift over to, I feel like because the marketplace is saturated, there is a higher standard for us 
for delivery, a higher standard for us to be in integrity. You can't get away with like generic messaging, like Eleanor was saying, you can't get away with all the hypey stuff. People aren't interested in that anymore. They want to know like you are the expert and you are going to deliver. So that's where that messaging component comes in as well, where it's a huge opportunity. It's just a skill set you really need to dial in. Like, what is my soul line messaging and how's it different from that person and that person and that person? And I think it's a great opportunity to allow your platforms to uh, work in your favor, but you have to do your work. You can't be lazy about it. You have to have a higher standard of messaging, higher standard of delivery, a higher standard of service, and you can really shine. And it's an opportunity for the little guy too, I want to say. Like, you don't have to be a guru with a huge platform and an email list of 100,000 people to really be able to attract clients. Now, I think it's a great opportunity. You just have to amp up your skill set and your standards. Mm, I love that. You know, I love that we're talking about what was happening when the, the world first shut down because we had nowhere else to go but be on our computer, right? So people were consuming content like crazy, aside from all the other things like fighting over how you should spend your two weeks to flatten the curve. You should learn yoga. No, you should. <laughs> right uh the good old days but you know there's all there were forced to just be in our devices and so people were consuming a lot I think they were inundated with a lot of information in general and then they had nothing else to do so why not take this course that course uh our company grew by 186 percent in from 2020 to 2021 because we were offering these kind of things right and then I think something, when the world opened again, something shifted from what I can see. Anyways, I don't know if the rest of you saw it, where all of a sudden people were so saturated that they wanted to consume micro content or take micro courses. Like, Joey, I know you do um, live events, right? These sort of mini challenges, Online. we'll call mm -hmm. them. And yeah. I know, Nicole, you do, and, and maybe a few, a few of the others do, and we do as well. And we do notice a difference in, in how much... I'll say harder, we have to work to get butts and seats, so to speak, right? To get people to show up live, to get people to come into the group, to be engaged and so on. And nobody's doing anything wrong, but I kind of don't blame them because I'm not interested in sitting through hours of whatever, right? I want to just get what I need. I don't need all the extra bells and whistles and the extra bonuses and stuff. I just want to get what I need and move on. And that's a big part of how a lot of us in service-based businesses are filling our programs, right? So um, there's that that I'm noticing. It's just, it's not that it's not working. It's just that the way that it was working simply needs to be tweaked, right? Or, or adjusted. Is anyone else noticing that? Mm -hmm. I've noticed that you need to be simple. You need to be succinct. You need to be able to capture attention and keep it for just a little mm -hmm. bit, but you can't have 90 minute webinars anymore and expect people to keep their attention the whole time. There's just so much that they could consume. And I think our attention spans have shortened mm -hmm. a little bit, unfortunately. So we need to be aware of that, that like we're delivering value in the most succinct, concise, effective way. I think that's really important because I think we have, if, if you're not aware of it, if you're doing things the same old way, you're going to notice an effect. So it is like innovate, simplify, really get right to the point on like how you help people and giving value. Yeah. Eleanor, you do a lot of live stuff. What are you? Yeah, I was just, yeah, this is fascinating. I was, I was totally thinking about what you're saying. I, um, it's so, so, uh, so a couple of observations. So a hundred percent, I think 
and this, this in many ways transcends marketing. So, you know, the pandemic was probably the single biggest, um, you know, culture shaper since the second world war. I can't think of something that had as big a global impact that really impacted everybody in a fairly significant way. Our kids will all remember, I mean, numeracy rates of kids ages 14 to 18 are the lowest ever recorded because of all the school missed. Like it, this is going to have huge implications for decades, you know, in terms of how, you know, the impact in, in so many reaches of culture and society. And what I've noticed because I work primarily with women and am a woman, I noticed coming out of it, there was just this big reckoning. Like so many of us, we faced big challenges during the pandemic. The interesting thing is that people had a lot of money. So national savings rates in Canada, the United States went way up because of all the money that like it, people that were not spending on travel and eating. So you, so there was a tons of job losses, 100%. There's no question, which was really tough. The impact on overall savings rates was massive. So that's fueled things like, home construction, home renovation. I mean, I spent more time than I can think of watching like all the home decorating shows and like <laughs> barbecuing shows. I mean, it was so crazy. And I think we kind of many cases fell in love with a different way of living. And mm -hmm. then we come out of it and the world is starting to open up. And definitely, I think there's this desire to kind of connect in person again and to have different types of marketing experiences and different types of engagements what I was reflecting on is in terms of the marketing that we do, is it true that we saw um, less engagement in terms of over long periods of time? What I have personally noticed, and, I, and I'm not sure if it's me as a person or our audience or both, um, I, what I have really noticed is the pull of the bookends. So the pull of micro content, I definitely think there's like big, a big part of the pandemic was this of, of post pandemic world was stripping away everything that we don't want mm -hmm. and trying to keep the things that we do want. So there is this minimalism or let's just, let's mm -hmm. just stay focused on what's really important. Cut out all of the rest of the stuff. So this big desire to simplify. And then on the other hand, there was this other, like we shifted how we did things. Like I have had a podcast that's been going on forever. And we went longer episodes, geekier episodes. Like I think about the top podcasts right now are like Rogan, um, Andrew, Andrew Huberman, the Huberman lab podcast, where he brings these super geeky scientists to talk for like two hours about mitochondria. <laughs> <laughs> so it's weird. Like people with, it feels like there's this bookend of to what both you and Joy were saying, where it's just, just the facts, let's strip it down. And let's not forget that we all can really geek out, you know? So I'm definitely seeing like a desire for geeky in-depth things that you would not think, you know, the, the most popular podcasts out there are like an hour and a half, two hour long interviews about the geekiest topics imaginable, lest we forget. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I will say too, as someone who owns the podcast connector, I realize I didn't uh, introduce myself because there'll be a lot of people watching this that uh, don't know me. We, the, the good thing about podcast guesting or having a podcast is that that is one of the few remaining long form ways or long form, uh, I can't think of the right word, but I know you get what I'm saying, content for people to consume. 
they actually enjoy it. They're going to, and, and I think that's what I was trying to allude to with the live events too. I, I think people are wanting to listen to long stuff. They just want to do it in their own timeline and not necessarily have to be somewhere at a certain time and, and whatever. So we're, we're taking a look at that now and we're actually restructuring our live events to, um, to be a, a block of time and then a little bit of a follow-up Q and A and you know a few days later to keep the container tight, but just still give people what they need. And hopefully that'll work. I'll keep you all posted. <laughs> Nicole, you you host a lot of live events. What are you noticing? You know, for me, like I came in hot and fast with it. And the first couple that I did were like back to back. Um, we had hundreds of people in them and they were massive conversion points, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars kind of thing. And they were so full saturation. I did this right. The first section of them were right in the middle of COVID. And so people were craving that personal connection. Um, and so I was pretty new in the market and I didn't have the same point of reference that I think that a lot of other people did about like, I, I'd never been to a virtual summit. I didn't know anything about any of that. I'd never done any masterclasses or anything of that nature because it was so fast for me. Um, so when I built these events, it was from the context of, you know, working in the, in the service industry and working with million and billion dollar brands to facilitate cocktail competitions and, you know, kind of weird geeky stuff when it comes to like going to distillery tours. And so when I built a virtual event platform, I did this from a full immersion standpoint where people were coming in and literally feeling like they were there. Like we, uh, sent out cocktail kits. We did things where, you know, people were actually engaging and we were making drinks together online and learning new skill sets, even though it had nothing to do with that, we were engaging in a different way. And that was so powerful when people couldn't leave their house, right? Mm -hmm. um, because it opened up connection where you're like, oh my gosh, like these are real people across the world, but like, this is the only connection I'm getting. And so that was so visceral to be able to bring in the senses and um, you know the feelings and the touch and the taste and the, and the smell of things when people were so isolated. But now that they're not, there's a different kind of feel that has to come in. The evolution has to come in behind it. Um, we're of course doing in-person events now, which is super fun and people are all about that. Um, but also in our virtual component, we've made adjustments uh, because the people are not so deprived from this. So we are shortening up those sessions. We're making things a little faster and we're also creating this um, choice, right? Choose your own adventure style where you can come and have the traditional experience that we've built where you can come for three days and it's a full immersion kind of experience. But we've also added in this 90 minute compressed fast action um, where you can come in and get the, the, we call it the matrix download. You can get the matrix download of everything that you needed to know in the event on the back mm -hmm. end of this. And that has been a really powerful experience because it's given people the ability to choose, which I think in all of that cultural nastiness that was happening for those couple of years where we shut down, we weren't just deprived of connection. We were deprived of choice. And people want to be able to choose their own destiny. They want to be able to choose and have self-sovereignty. And so being able to provide options for people instead of there's one link and click the link and it's this only this one thing, that's the old way of marketing. The new way is allowing people the freedom of choice because we've been deprived of it. Mm. I love that. Thank you. Desiree. I would just add to what Nicole said that, about the choice because I think that's so important. I didn't make the connection <laughs> that it was related to how things shifted in the culture, but I know for me personally, it's huge. And also the clients who come to work with me. So many of the clients that I work with right now, they find me because they're at the point 
where they're wanting to do things more their way right? Versus feeling like they have to stick in this box and they have to follow this 10 step formula. Like it, it's so much more about wanting to be more free and to choose how they want to show up, what they want to say, who they want to work with, how much they want to charge, like all of that stuff. Because I think for so long, we kind of felt kind of trapped, kind of caged, kind of, it has to be this way. And I love how things have shifted where people are really owning their authority again, where they are feeling like they can be who they came here to be, to be more autonomous. And that I think is what actually helps the businesses expand, right? Again, regardless of what else is going on in the world. Mm, I love that. So many amazing tips. So I know each of you has something that really works for you. Marketing stands the test of time. When I think of when I started 20 years ago, newsletters were a thing. Like websites were just becoming a thing, which I know sounds crazy. Social media did not even exist. So, uh, and then we eventually, you know, online, there was teleseminars and then teleseminars became inefficient because there were so many people doing them because it bubbled. And then that progressed into telesummits and then telesummits became the shoulder pads of the online industry. And then in 2020, they had to come back because there was no other option. And we, you know, we, and then we've got the bro marketing stuff, which, you know, has its own interesting things. And so we see a lot of stuff, but, you know, there's things that just will be tried and true, regardless of what the change is in the world and with people and stuff. So Eleanor, I'm going to start with you because I have a sense, I know what that is for you, but I'll let you mm. tell more about it. Yeah. So, um, so I've been podcasting since 2016. Um, that's when I first started my podcast. I'd been thinking about it before. Um, but for me, podcasting has been really, uh, really important in terms of developing connections and relationships. Like I remember hearing this once and I thought it was so brilliant that people don't buy coaching, they buy coaches, you know, and that, that like knowing, even if, even if you create a program and you're not working with people one by one, like understanding the creator, the author you know, who is that person? Um, what's my connection? What's their story? What is their, what are the things that they've struggled with? What's their zone of genius? Where did they come from? What did they come through? And um, I have found for us, um, podcasting has been really key. And initially when we started the podcast, um, and I'm saying we, it was a royal eye when I started <laughs> it. It was very much like, it was hard hitting. It was short. It was tons of very practical, actionable, you know, content and material for folks. And I, that was, that was really helpful. Like it was a huge lead generator for us and has continued to be what I have found as a podcaster. And I think it's like the options, right? It, I thought that was such an insightful point um, that Nicole made. Here's a, a big shift that happened, you know, in terms of podcasting where, you know, it was after like 500 episodes, I was like, you know what? I've pretty much said everything that I want to say. Like, I don't have, I'm literally, literally bored of giving insight and business advice. And I have always <laughs> scoffed at people who are like, I'm bored of doing this. I'm like, yeah, but you still have, like, there's so many people who have not heard this, who need to hear this. So simmer down, but I could no longer simmer down. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I made a change and it kind of evolved in terms of like a theory that I have about what business looks like. So I always think about these like four quadrants and we'll, we'll start down. So if you drew up this box and you divided it into four and the bottom left is, is like quadrant 
four, right? And quadrant four is where all the business happens. It's like your business operations, it's sales and marketing. It's like the heart of the business is lead gen sales, all of that good stuff. And that's where my podcast sat. And I was really feeling like the podcast where I wanted to take it was into, I think about quadrants one and two. So quadrant one, everybody here has deep niche expertise in their area. That's like hardcore skill set around knowing how to do X, Y, Z. Or, and so for us, it's about the nuances of women's entrepreneurship, you know? And then there's like, but what's the larger impact of that? Right. And that's like the second quadrant over here. What's the cultural impact of women entrepreneurs? And for me, it's really about how we make business more equitable. And that as a marketer, those were the conversations I wanted to be having, right? They were bigger conversations. They were different. They were in, they were conversations about how we impact culture. I know working with women, um, women often, you know, um, women talk about women's issues and guys talk about things that are relevant to everyone. That's a generalization, but that's what we see in the market. A lot of women want to work with women, me included, but it holds us back from having big cultural conversations and shaping culture. So we're having these culture shaping conversations with ourselves. I'm a part of that. I think there's a big part where that's really key, but that's where we made the shift in terms of after COVID really being like, okay, the world has changed. We're going to make sure women's voices are a part of that. And that means increasing the scope and taking risks in terms of what we're doing. So can you trace a, a podcast like that, where we're talking about big cultural shifts and stuff in the world of business? Can you trace that to straight up lead gen? No. So we have to do other things down there. The podcast has shifted to be more like, I'm going to say really on the vanguard of the conversations we want to be having. So long story, but I guess the big thing that I, I would share is we're all talking about shifts and taking risks. And for me, it was about really making sure that we're continuing to do that in terms of how we market and continuing to tap into that sort of soul level. What conversations do we want to be a part of? Yeah. Mm. So that's like the big shift that I've seen that we have done in terms of our podcast. I love that. So do you feel like your show is so successful because of the high level content that you provide? Was it, did you have an ad strategy? Did you have a collaborative partner strategy? What do you think was the thing that took it from doing well to being like, yeah. Ooh. it was straight up virality. You know, when I think about there's there, I, I think about, um, you know, what drives sustainable long-term growth that's why people don't love launches. Launches are great, but they're like gasoline. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they're, it's like big surges of gasoline. And so they're good as sort of, you know, um, they're, they're good cash generators that take, that require some juice long-term, like, you know, ongoing scale. I think about, um, having a sales force, like we never talk about outbound, but like having an actual sales force SEO is like another huge one paid is another huge one, but virality, like, can you get, can your stuff be so good that people are talking about it? And those are all different, you know, separate growth strategies. And for the podcast, it was always virality that there was, there were, you know, people talking about it, people sharing it, people. So we never used paid. We would ask our guests to promote, but it all, you know, for podcasts, a huge thing, you know, it, it was pretty much straight up word of mouth growth and, and, and has continued to be. Mm -hmm. I yes. can say as an outsider looking in because the, 
the content you share is so high value, it's almost impossible not to share. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I say that like, Mm -hmm. for those of you that know me, I don't say, you know, I say what I mean, but um, I wouldn't just say that if I didn't mean it, like it's, it's almost like a micro masterclass every single episode. Yeah. Yeah. And, and genuinely high value it. And I can speak for me and I I don't want to speak for everyone else, but I'm sure that you can relate. Like I'm super discerning about what I let into my field. And, um, and, and I don't even really read anymore or really listen to mm-hmm. that many other podcasts, not because there aren't great things out there, but because I'm actually trying to minimize the amount of information that comes into my world. And it has to go through a certain filter in order for it to come into my world. So so I'm not surprised to hear that. So that's a big tip for everyone listening, that if you're really showing up in your mastery, showing up to serve, but really adding high value, despite what other people tell you, you can still like Eleanor, you're living proof that you can give high value and still have people want to buy from you because the, yeah. the myth is that people won't because you've given them the farm, but um, the, the opposite is true for you. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Nicole, you have a very unique way of marketing. So maybe you can share a little bit more about that with us. Uh, I mean, stepping into the online world, um, you know, I made a decision. I made a very clear cut decision in doing this of how I wanted to do things. um, And that really involved not listening to anybody else. (laughs) Um, Everyone basically thought I was insane. Um, And so it was, you know, I stepped in, I built a community. And so this format is a Facebook group, but really community building is the specialty um, that I provide. And that was something that I carried over from the bar industry because People don't go to a bar to drink. That's not why they're there. They're there to have a real experience. They're there to feel feelings, right? Uh, it's much cheaper to go home and drink at home, right? Than it is to be in a bar. People don't go to the bar for the alcohol. They go there for the experience. And that is the same, no matter what it is that you're selling online. People are not going to my Facebook group to buy a client attraction program. They're going there to feel a feeling. And so bringing this raw viscerality into community development, um, was at the time, nobody was doing this. Like every group was exactly the same. It was named the same thing. We make the joke of pink, white, and taupe banners, right? Because it's like, you can't even tell the difference. And so I came in with kind of a crazy strategy of doing it my way unapologetically where I was using things like, I mean, it's the whole thing. It's called unicorn client attraction secrets, right? Um, And everything is very, it's very raw. It's very real. It's very vulnerable. The words that got reflected back to me were refreshing because I told the truth. Um, I didn't do this very curated dance song and dance that all the other entrepreneurs were doing. I interrupted the pattern with vulnerability. And I don't mean that in like a very soft and easy way. I meant in hard truths and really speaking to a very poignant group of people and unapologetically being polarizing. And that was something that in the female market, was really looked down upon um, is that as a woman, you were supposed to be very equilateral, right? You were supposed to be this, this uh, shining light of acceptance and you're supposed to just welcome everybody with open arms. And I chose not to do that. Um, I had a very strong standpoint of what I stood for and what I stood against. And I did this from um, really saying no to any sort of pain point marketing at all. And 
to the point where I don't allow people in my Facebook group to post struggle posts. What are you struggling with? Or are you struggling with X, Y, and Z? Um, I don't allow any of that kind of behavior because I know that there's a better way. And my all of my coaches told me I was insane and that that would never work um, and that I couldn't do sales calls. I couldn't do marketing. I couldn't do, um, you know, master classes without really speaking to people's pain and poking them in the pain points to get them to buy. Um, and I just don't subscribe to that. So I went really against the grain in my community development and forced the hand of desired led marketing. Um, at the time, nobody was doing any sort of Facebook group that allowed promotion in any way, unless it was paid, right? There was, you could pay, do the paid memberships, but um, my group was the group that changed that. And I said, you know what, this is insane. You can't call a group, you know, that supporting the ecosystem of entrepreneurs and then not let people talk about their offers. And so I took that bandaid, ripped it off, um, made a whole lot of people very, very angry with me um, because I opened a very fast growing Facebook group that allowed people to come in and talk about their offers because I asked myself the question, what's in it for them, right? Everybody was building a Facebook group to be the princess of it. And that to me is the antithesis of community development. It's not about me. It's about you. I don't put my face on the name of my group. It's not me in the banner. It's this Wonder Woman kind of image that allows you to imagine yourself in that position rather than it being the Nicole show. It's not about me. I'm actually an introvert and I'm happy being an introvert. <laughs> um, you know, pandemic was not challenging for me. It was amazing, right? <laughs> to be in the space of just being left alone, incredible. Um, but I really built a community that was for the people that were there so much so that I allowed them to sell in my environment. And um, much to the testament, Eleanor, of you giving out all of that information for free, people told me that they would never buy because I was allowing people to steal my clients. People, they're people. <laughs> you can't steal them. They're humans, right? Um, and so allowing that free market kind of feel um, put me up as an industry leader literally overnight um, and allowed that community developed to take hold so much so that we had massive duplication. There were so many people on the market copying me that it was like, sometimes I would go to type in to go to my own Facebook group and go to somebody else's because they were copying the name and copying all the things because they'd been taught so much to copy what worked. And that's the exact opposite of what actually makes my Facebook group or any community that I build effective is that we really get into this sub niching to the point of exclusion Instead of being inclusionary, we are exclusionary and asking people to rise to a certain caliber to participate with us. And that changed the game for a lot of people. That's amazing. So the biggest tip I'm hearing here is that if you do have a Facebook group, that it's the belief might be that letting people post daily, which you do, you let them promote daily, I should say, not just post daily, but you let them promote daily. Uh, that that has actually served your business. Most people would think, oh my goodness, well, that's gonna, you know, take away the buying dollars for me. But in fact, it's only served you. It created the elevation standpoint, right? Where it was like, I was so outside of the realm of needing clients. There was no neediness in it. And so that facilitated desire, right? So it wasn't that I was just removing the struggle. I was also removing the neediness um, and so then people came to me from a place of wanting to work with me instead of needing my help. They desired my help, which of course, the kind of person that 
makes those kind of decisions, they're going to get better results. And so my clients got incredible results because they were the kind of people who naturally would, which led to, you know, massive amounts of testimonials and a very quick ascension for my business. And now it's the norm. You know, you go into Facebook groups and everybody allows promotion. Um, but that was not the case when I built mine. I was, get, mm. I was kicked out of, I got kicked out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> Proudly kicked out of everything. I love that. Desiree, I know you have uh, something that works for you consistently. So we'd love to hear about that. Yeah, it's my intuition, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I, I allow my intuition to guide everything that I do. Um, when I first started in my business, the first several years, I did everything under the sun that I was told to do. And it just didn't work. Do you know, like, I really believe in the fact that we're all each our own guru, right? And so there's something that we do, or maybe there are several things that we do that are coming from a place of alignment that's going to allow us to get the best results fastest and easiest. And so whatever that is for me on a given day is that's what I'm going to do. Typically though, it does look like posting. I love to do written posts. Sometimes I was going to say, sometimes they're long and short, but most of the time they're kind of short. <laughs> I think I used to um, do these long posts in the very beginning. Now my attention span is so short and I have, I have such a command of what I'm teaching that I can just say it and get it done. Right. And just get to the point. So they're all, they're short and shorter, typically my written posts, but I also love to do videos. So whenever the inspiration hits, I'll get on and I'll do what I call a mini masterclass in 10 minutes or less. And I just get in and I share what people need to work on. Like I give my insight on what's going on with them right now so they can close the gap between where they are and where they want to be. And then I share why what I'm sharing works with them. I think that's so important. I think that there are a lot of people out there who are giving a lot of the what, maybe even the how. But if people don't understand why, for a lot of people like me, if your brain doesn't get it, you're not going to understand it well enough to implement it and get results. So this is what I love to do. And so by the time a client comes to me, they already know that they want to work with me because they resonate with me. Like they understand the way that I explain things. And I think there are a lot of people out here doing a lot of good work, but there are lots of people who feel like they're kind of falling between the cracks because they're, they're missing the understanding that's gonna help them get the results. And so I believe you know, that you give high value content and then you allow the people who are ready when they decide on their own timeframe that they're ready to choose you, right? Because there's so many people out there that they could choose from, but I believe that the right clients are always gonna choose you. And so I just allow my inspiration to guide me and that works really well for me. Typically, like I said, written post videos, I do have um, an on-demand masterclass and then, of course, I'm working with you in the podcast connector. So I'm doing some podcasts, but that's pretty much it. And I also want to leave one more tip. I think it also depends on, you know, how you want to build your business, right? Like when I first started, I didn't focus on how I wanted to build my business. I focused on how much money I wanted to make. But then what I realized was that I was following a lot of strategies that were not a fit for my personality. You know, they required me to do all these kind of things that I wasn't either good at or I just didn't want to get good at, right? And so for now, like what I've learned is, Whatever feels right for me is the thing that's actually going to move the needle and have me get the biggest results with the least amount of effort, which is what I desire. Because that then allows me to love my business. It allows me to love showing up and do marketing and selling versus feeling like it's a chore. And when I'm enjoying what I'm doing, I get way better results from that. Mm, that's amazing. I love that. So follow your intuition. Love it. And that's great, right? Because there's so many, there's so many ways we could be marketing. There's so many promises. Oh, do the, do the low, like what, what is that called? The micro, like that $7 offer. What is that called? 
trip wires trip wire. <laughs> yeah uh and that will make you a million dollars and you know only high ticket and you know whatever so um i love that joy I know you have a unique way of marketing, so we'd love to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. And first of all, I love all the busting through the conventional things and like doing it your own way. And I think that's kind of a common theme here of Secrets to Success and about being super intentional about how you build your business model. And I've, you know, made millions in my business, but while raising my daughter who has significant disabilities, like 18 month old level developmentally from being born with brain damage in a wheelchair, nonverbal. And, you know, I had to think differently because I didn't, I couldn't work 60 hours a week. My time and energy were of the essence. So as I was growing, I love what Desiree said of like building a business model that fits your lifestyle and like, that's not going to work for me. No, that's not going to work for me. So it's been really like, keeping that's where the whole simplified and multiple I came through like really keeping a simple model and keep building off of what's working instead of going 50 different directions um and I love what you said Nicole about the pain-based marketing like oh, I did a little bit of that in the early days but like again I think it was the pandemic intuition was like no 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 don't go that way go to desires and that has just Again, like traditional people say, you need to get them on a sales call for an hour and hit their pain points and your marketing copy needs to hit this pain points. And so I've ditched that as well. And the other thing I've ditched in the last three years, again, year month two of the pandemic, no more sales calls. Everything's in messenger. And that has been game changing the last three plus years of not getting on sales calls, being able to sell, you know, 20K plus offers with just having a process and messenger and enroll clients. And that just has simplified my brain space, introvert, me too. <laughs> and so the time I'm on Zoom is, are things like this or with my clients. Um, so marketing really can be easy and sales can be easy too. It's, it's really about your content speaking to that person. And they are so like, you are my person. You don't really need a sales conversation, so to speak. They just need information. You know, so when you're really speaking to desires, you're really clear on what you stand for. You're really clear on what your expertise is. People don't need to be convinced. We can get rid of all that pain-based marketing and pain-based sales call stuff. So that's been the fun thing for me to see, like just simplifying my model even more and seeing how, like one of you said as well, like you get the most delightful clients too, because they're empowered decision makers and they know what they want. I've always had great clients, but if there's just another level in the last three years of like action takers going and changing the world, doing amazing things. So I feel like even what we're doing in our marketing is starting that process for our future clients. Mm -hmm. It's starting that process of them like, that's what I want. That's what I need. That's exactly aligned for me. I'm going to go that direction, right? So I think everybody has that opportunity in their marketing to be of service by calling people to a higher standard of what they want and, and taking action on it. Yeah. I want to just add a little bit into what you shared, Joy, because uh, I, I've known you for a long time and I know your business model. So when you said um, doing all the sales and the DMs, I just want to clarify for everyone listening. This isn't cold DMs. This is Joy mm -hmm. very strategically. She's got a very, very uh, unique and strategic and frankly, brilliant way of crafting uh, a way to flow people through her, her front-facing social media posts mm -hmm. so su such that they're either already coming into her inbox 
and saying, how can I work with you? Because they're already sold on her. So then it's just like, well, do you want this package? Right. And then they're saying, yes, here's, here's the package my money. That's right for you. Right. Um, and I never or, DM them first. Right. Yeah. So there's no, first. there's no yeah. initiating of the DMs. These are people, yeah. uh, there's, a, there's a very strategic way to post on social media to encourage that kind of uh, response from people such that, because none of us like to be sold to, but we all like to buy, right? So, so it encourages a buying mindset instead of a, I'm being sold at mindset. It's really quite genius. And, um, and it, and Joy, you can do that. I mean, I know your list has grown, but you were able to do that on a relatively small list, right? So it is possible despite what the gurus say, like you can have a seven figure company on a, a relatively small email list, right? If, if it's higher ticket, I wouldn't recommend that for the for the membership model, right? Lower ticket model. But um, yeah, I think for me, you know, when I look back over the last 20 years, I have to pay attention to what's working and irrespective of the trends, what works for me is speaking. So regardless of what's going on in the market, as long as I find state, either, either create my own stages, meaning hold my own events or host my own podcast or whatever, or find my way onto other people's stages, and that can be a lot of things, summits, podcasts, whatever, uh, that works really well. And then the second thing that works really well for us, and we've all kind of alluded to this, I mean, part of why we're here is because we actually get results for people. And when we're getting results for people, that kind of market it, markets itself, because people either tell everyone, you should go work with so-and-so, or um, or they're just constantly re-enrolling, right? And and then they're usually tagging you saying, so-and-so is my coach, and then all, everyone watching them is like, oh, so I would say that um, that's my second piece. We really, of, of all the things aside from that, that has allowed me to be successful has been to really focus on getting people results and focusing on strengthening that client retention system. So that way, you know, a good chunk of my, like I have clients that have been with me for almost 20 years, which is astounding to me. It's astounding to me. Uh, and we're growing together. Some people think, oh, you must be codependent if you're, no, like we're all growing, right? But uh, the lifetime value of our of our clients is is substantial. Like it's it's multi six figures, at least some of them that have been with me for almost 20 years, obviously it'd be closer to a million dollars in lifetime value. Not that I focus on people as dollar signs at all, because I don't, but it's important to know that because if your goal, it, like if you want to keep spending money to market to people, to have them come in and have one transaction and leave, that can end up being quite costly as we know, right? And so, um, so that's kind of been my, my claim to fame as far as marketing, kind of building a, a nice group of brand ambassadors that are genuinely happy with the service they're getting and, and continuing to find ways to love them up. So, yeah. So what do we see kind of, we've got AI in the mix now, like everyone's talking about that. There's all this debate about, should you write your copy with AI? Should you do whatever with AI? It's obviously factoring a lot into marketing. So I'll just kind of open it up and see who wants to chime in first with the, where do we see AI fitting into this marketing strategy? I'll jump in on this one. Um, So, no, I have a, have a great team. I have a team that flows through a lot of different things. Um, we're running multiple platforms at the same time. And so we have repurposing strategies, right? Where we're taking things that are working um, on one platform, we're modifying them and creating a different kind of connection point to move them over to the other platform. Um, I We never do any straight across the, uh, straight across the pond kind of 
transfer of repurpose because people are in different mindsets on different platforms, right? Mm -hmm. And so being able to cultivate a different voice for each platform is pretty challenging when you are one person, right? As you know, maybe somebody that's working as an assistant. And so it's like, we got to have the Facebook voice and we got to have the Instagram voice and the TikTok voice. It all has to be a little bit different. And so being able to utilize AI in the repurposing of things is so much weight off of your stuff, right? Is to be able to come up with a structured way of plugging into the AI, kind of training it, right? Training it, asking it the right questions and being able to use it as repurposing so that you're not having to use the same content but you're also not having to have somebody else rewrite it. Um, so our AI that we're working with has like started to like learn my cadence, learn my flow a little bit. It's kind of funny to see what the robot pumps out, right? Um, but really being able to integrate that into a full flow through between multiple channels has streamlined so much of our systems and our processes that it's giving our staff their time and their mental load back, right? So they're actually becoming more creative. Um, they're coming up with new ideas, the stuff that they want to do because they're not bogged down by the mechanics of writing an email or writing a, an Instagram post and coming up with a hashtag strategy. They don't have to do any of that anymore. Um, so it's actually increasing like their quality of life and then seeing like such a burst of energy coming through where they have a newly igni like ignited passion for for the business itself because they're not being bogged down. So we've been looking for all sorts of different ways um, you know, inside of the systemization of the business to streamline, make it easier for the staff so that the staff gets their sparkle back because it can get a little mundane doing those kinds of tasks. And so it allows for more ingenuity in the business as a whole. Mm -hmm. I love that you spoke to mental load. I feel like that's a whole episode with team uh, at another time. Cause I'm, I'm in a bit of an a-hole with my team. Like I'm looking at buying another company right now. And I gave them a Voxer heads up. I'm like, I know we've got going on, but I kind of have to buy this company. And, um, and I, but I can see that. So I love that you spoke to that. So what is the tool that you're using, Nicole? Um, I actually have all of them on different ones, which I found to be interesting because I feel like none of us really know what we're doing with this, right? And so we, of course, started with the chat GPT, um, and then we moved them over to different platforms. So I have them actually testing. And so we've assigned a different, a different chat or a different AI to each one. And so they're familiarizing themselves with it. And then between themselves, they're sharing tips and tricks that are working on different platforms. Um, I have three people that are like mainly doing this. And so it's been a really great learning curve for them. And then on the back end of this, we've been able to take all those tips and tricks and systemize them into like spreadsheets and like kind of like a mini course. And then we're handing that over to our clients so that we're streamlining that and our highest tier clients are getting the benefits of all the work that my team is doing. And I know that we'll also be able to turn this into a backend course. We have a, we have a place inside of the empire um, where we train executive assistants and we train support coaches. And so we're adding an AI component to that. So we've been having them build out all of those different kind of tools um, so that we're gonna have like a kind of a Rolodex for people to be able to come in and get the best practices as quickly as possible. There's like a new one hitting the market like every day. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Eleanor, I can tell you're eager. I've got, I've got stuff to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm more like, oh, that's so interesting. That is so yeah. interesting. So essentially, like I said to um, my team, I was like, listen, my intention is that everybody here is actively experimenting with AI 
every day. And so that a lot of that has to do with, are you understanding the types of prompts? Are you, you know, are you experimenting with different prompts? Are you experimenting with different, because, you know, a lot of AI right now is producing intern level work. And it gets better as your prompts get better, you know, so it definitely does take out like a big part of load. It can help folks who may struggle to write copy quickly. And so much of marketing requires copy, you know, um, it can really shorten the learning curve there. Um, and so there's, I think there's a ton of experimentation and, and, and searching, you know, around how to be a better prompt writer, how to create the types of prompts that produce the kinds of results that we're looking for. So that's like current where we definitely want to look next. And it kind of comes a little bit to what Nicole was talking about is I think the biggest thing that any marketer or modern entrepreneur has that we don't talk about is this freaking massive catalog, um, of content. And we all have massive content catalogs and they're not, they're not organized with a Dewey decimal system. Let me tell you that right now. (laughs) What I mean? So I think, so there's all, I think all of us understand we're producing a lot of great insight. So a lot of great insight is happening inside our group calls, inside our community discussions, inside, and all of that is material that can be used for internal SOPs, training programs. We talked about like how when people want what they want and they want it now, um, searchable, you know, databases. And I think that for us um, is like where we're looking at AI next in terms of how can it really, how can we use this? to be properly documenting and logging what we have and then turning it into sort of searchable databases that can be, um, that can be used, you know, that's sort of where we're going next. And it already does this. In fact, it can already do basically, you know, we've all heard about like deep fake porn that is like disproportionately Mm -hmm. impacts women, but you can have deep, deep fakes of you answering a question based on all this information that you've already created. And one of your clients or, you know, somebody in one of your free communities is like, how do I approach this? And it's you talking, you know? And so this all exists right now, which is really cool. And I think, so that's where we're sort of looking later. And it's even in terms of like, what do we want to budget for this? Um, How important is this to us really? How would we look at this internally? you know, like who would do is, and, and because I, I do think Nicole, as Nicole is saying, I don't think anybody, we're all just really experimenting with it, but what do we want those experiments to look like? So for us, that's kind of the next frontier of, um, of what we're looking at. And then the final thing is, I think for so many of us, for entrepreneurs, the biggest, like, how can we, we are teaching people how to do stuff but how can we start to use AI to just do it for them? So a lot of stuff in order, like if you think about coaching and consulting, a lot of it is about, I'm going to teach you how to do this. And what AI allows is to just do it, you know, so that what you get to focus on is mindset, is energetic work, is the work to, you know, so even whether it's coming to creating products and programs and that kind of thing, AI will absolutely be able to come in and dramatically shorten learning curves. And so in many ways, I think for many of us, we have to think about this is going to disrupt us and our business models. So where is the real, like, where is the other parts of the value? Is it the community? Is it the mindset work? 
Is it really showing what's possible? Is it like, where is that value that cannot be stripped away when this, we have this extraordinary tools coming in and disrupting us? I think everybody in our space has to be prepared for that. So that's really how, how we're, there's like what we're doing right now. There's where we're, we're exploring next and there's, Hey, this is coming. And AI has been moving so quickly. Like, you know, I think it's going to massively disrupt our industry in like a year. If you're, t- if you're, sh- if your business model is built around teaching people how to do things, you better watch out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's really about what happens when we take that away. What else do you have? And I think it's a powerful thing for us all to look at, you know, what can't AI do? So that's interesting. So, so people, then you see if that's going to be kind of absorbed a lot by AI, then people will still be wanting the soft touch. They'll still be wanting that the so. mindset and the energetics, just not the teach me how to, I mean, it, AI, I guess, could just pop, like, if you wanted to take an astrology course 101, AI would just teach you that you wouldn't need an actual teacher. For yeah. That. Or if you're an astrologist who wants to make a course, Mm-hmm. you know, like, right. And so how do you make sure it's meshes messaged, right? How do you make sure it's this? How do you make like, where's the, right. Where's the value that we all bring to that and how could, you know, like, where are the places that it's labor? Cause you know, to, to Nicole's point, it's, it's the load. So what AI is able to do is take out some of this mental load, but we make money off the mental load teachers mm-hmm. do like reducing it through, do this, do this, do this. If we're not doing that anymore, where's the value? I, these are really powerful conversations that I think in our industry, we can be having and looking at like, okay, yeah, that's cool. What would be the most fun parts? <laughs> I mean, like where's the biggest joy filled part in the business and we get to keep that. And, you know, so, and these parts, you know, the, the load that currently people have to do, and we're shortcutting the load for them with all of our knowledge, well, AI just will do it, you know? And so then it's like, okay, cool. Now, what do we want? Now, what is our offer really? And that, and it feels like a lot of the fun stuff remains. Mm, I love that. Joy, you're leaning in. Mm, Yeah, I'm watching and I'm listening. It's something that, you know, my team, my processes are pretty dialed in now. And it's interesting because in my programs, one of the high priorities is clients dialing in their client converting messaging, Mm -hmm. which also is not just a to do. It's not something just a computer could spit out. It really, really requires some internal reflection, you know, on yourself. And it also has an energetic blueprint. Content has an energetic blueprint to it as well. So I'm watching and listening and where is the use for this without taking the soul out of content, right? How can it be, like you said, how can it take out mental load of tasks, but not take out the energetic blueprint that is the essence of who we are and what's created our business and the clients that we serve to make sure they're not losing who they are in the process too, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's something that I haven't encouraged my clients to move forward and just have fun with it for right now, you know, because, um, and it depends on what stage of business you're at. Obviously I serve a bit earlier stage entrepreneurs where this would just be a huge distraction and rabbit hole, go have fun with it, but this is not time working on your business, (laughs) but I get, it's really interesting to just watch and see it evolve. And like, where does the soul of this go? And does this stay, you know, or do we become a sci-fi movie? (laughs) 
So I'm always with new things because I like to stick with what works and watch and be innovative and adaptive as I see, you know, as I see what happens. I feel the same about threads. You might bring that up too. Again, I'm like, yeah, I'm accounts. Haven't posted anything yet. I'm watching and seeing where's the value. I have a shit ton of content I could recycle on there that my team could go put on there. That's totally fine. And that's the other thing with content too. We all have so much content we probably could recycle. Those of us who have been around as long as we can, you know, like we don't need to keep recreating the wheel too. You know, we don't always need something new. A lot of times we have so many resources within that we can reuse. So I'm, I'm not the expert, but I think it's fun to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, Desiree. Uh, I, I love the, the points that were raised so far. I loved um, what Nicole mentioned about like having it do hashtags and things like that and repurposing because I, I repurpose a lot. <laughs> I have a lot, like a huge library. Um, and I love the, um, the point that Eleanor made about creating a database perhaps, right? I also agree with the point um, that, it, that it probably can do a lot of stuff that a lot of teachers are teaching. And one of the things about my business is that I focus a lot on the mindset and the energetic. I teach the copy and stuff, but I think it's so simple. And when my clients are being the version of themselves, who's a match to what they want, it comes out so easily and effortlessly. Like for me, I actually love marketing, but I don't love marketing because I'm trying to market. Like I'm trying to create content. It literally flows to me. And I teach my clients how to do that as well. So they don't necessarily need a tool in order to do that for them. But I will say that I personally, I'm at a stage in my own business where I wouldn't pay for some of those things. Like I, I would appreciate AI taking care of certain things, not the marketing specifically because it's just natural for me. But there are a lot of other things I could see AI stepping in and taking over the role. And I'd be happy <laughs> to let it go, right? Because it's just not important to me. The most important thing for me is the connection with my clients and helping them connect with themselves and become the version of themselves who can have the business that they want and still also have the lifestyle that they desire as well. Like my whole business is built on everything being simple, just like Joy mentioned before. And it's really about we, my, the model that I teach my clients is also high ticket. So they don't need a ton of sales, which means they don't have to spend a ton of time marketing. We also close in DMs as well. So there's so much stuff that's already simplified. We can add on AI, but it, it's not the most important thing at this point. It's not the thing to focus on, but if they want to dabble with it, if they want to play with it, they can. But I love all the points that are mentioned here because it gives us a lot to think about in terms of the future. You know, like what are we going to do moving forward so that we can maybe even simplify things even more? Do you see what I'm saying? And allow ourselves to really be the CEO of the business, but not have to feel so involved in the trenches or even with the team. Like if you have a team and having your team feel more empowered to use these sort of tools where they can create the content without so much oversight, I see it being a benefit to everyone. I have, there's some other things about AI that I don't love, um, but in terms of business perspective, I think that it, it has a lot of potential to add or a lot of, um, you know, power to add. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's just highlighting the need to innovate, which is what we always have to do anyways as CEOs, right? Because for all the reasons we do. And so it's just requiring us to fine tune our innovation muscles, right? So that we're, if the speed is going to be quicker than it has in the past, then it's just going to require us to constantly be thinking ahead instead of always reacting to what's coming down the pipeline, essentially. So we've talked a lot about- One more time. Yeah, one go more ahead. Time passionately. Because yeah, I, 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 um, 
It's really interesting. I was, I saw something recently on LinkedIn and it was um, the, the people who are like a part of open AI and it's a bunch of dudes, you know, mm-hmm. and where are, so a lot of the tools that we're going to be using that we may be, that our assistants are using and our teams are using, like the actual tools that we're using to weave and integrate AI are largely male-owned and controlled. And so on a panel of women, you know, I think there's this other part, which is that when I think about how technology is shaping the human experience increasingly, and they're already working on things like neural links so that you actually, you know, there's an, it's like hardwired. You can tell your brain, you know what brain stop with the imposter syndrome. And all of the mindset work that we currently do is like, boop. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's this part of me that I love that we're having this conversation, like debating it, you know, when do we use it? How do we use it? When I think like, you know, all, you know, for it's so key that women are having these conversations, but that we're at the table, that we're having the conversations that to the degree that we're able, we're, we're a, a part of integrating it because it's happening and we, and it's happening. It's shaping our future. It's shaping the future of our earning power, our businesses. And we get to choose how much is this a part of what we do? Like how involved are we going to be in these conversations um, or are we going to allow a lot of people who don't look like us to basically shape it independently, which is what has already happened with AI in terms of where they're getting, you know, their information from who they're, you know, so anyway, I could go on, but I just think it's so that there's a bigger conversation here that I think it's, it's so great that we're having this conversation and more women need to have it. Mm-hmm. So if I'm hearing the subtext, <laughs> And you can correct me if I'm off base here. If we're, if the prompts are given through a masculine vibe, then we start creating way more from a masculine vibe or the, or the, the messaging or the content or whatever that we're putting out is still filtered through that more, I'll say left brain sort of masculine way of moving through the world rather than having either a more feminine approach or a balanced approach. Yeah. I think that the prompts and also the inputs, Mm. like the core inputs that it's using. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess we're, we have that other discussion maybe for another day around how do we get more of us on these boards, right. And, and uh, whatever they call them, research groups or, or whatever they're called. I love that you brought that up. That's a super valuable point. It's occurring to me too, that, you know, there's different ways to market depending on, on our business. So we can have a more personality brand-based business, uh, well, you know, just in service space, we can have, you know, I have an agency and then I also have a training school. And so I market the training school differently. That's by the way, through collaboration, borrowing other people's audiences that works really, really well. So I'm not really the, I'm, I'm the face of that business, but the business is about coming into the school to learn as opposed to it really being about me. And, um, and so is marketing different for people where they're kind of more of the celebrity in the business versus, um, you know, kind of having a, a school or, or like a, something bigger than just, just that one person. Are you noticing any differences in that? Feel free to chime in, whoever, whoever is getting a hit. I mean, I think we have such a, 
um, I think it's, uh, what was I, I remember when I was 20 years old, I went through a really hard time in my life. And somebody said this to me, which I thought was so powerful. She said, the circumstances of your life will always support your decision. So I think like how you choose to, how you choose to set up your business, you know what I mean? Whether it's built around a personal brand or in order to make it successful, you have to learn how to, you know, what is required in order to make this particular model successful. But what I will say, like what I have noticed, you know, so I remember when I first started my very first business, there was no social media. And so things were so much more formal. All business communication was more formal. Things were more expensive. They took longer. I would never show up in a muscle shirt. (laughs) It would would never happen, which is what I'm, if you're listening, I'm wearing basically a muscle shirt. So, but my point is now it's, we're so personal in nature. Like you can, you can message Mark Zuckerberg directly. You know what I mean? Like you can. So I definitely think there is absolutely, there's, there's definitely more of whether your brand, whether you're the face of your brand, or you're simply a leader inside your brand of this, there's this ability to share who you are, you know, to share your take, And to, um, and that that is increasingly a part of how we, I don't know if it's, you know, it's market, but also just simply engage, like engage with our audience, engage with our customers, engage with, there's much more of a personal relationship um, at play, which can be both awesome. And it can also be emotional labor, right? For the entrepreneur. So I see, I, I, I think, you know, it's more about the choice, what you want your business to look like, and then making that work. Mm, I love that. Anyone else? I think there's a very important angle of humanization versus dehumanization when it comes to brand building, when it comes to scaling um, and maintaining that edge. And I think that when you build a business and it kind of has this mom and pop feel, right? Where it's like, you're accessible, everyone can touch you. Like there's a certain energy that comes with that, that people really appreciate. But it also is is very restricting, not just in in the emotional <laughs> the emotional labor of it, but also in the ability for people to imagine themselves in that space, right? It's like back to like the Facebook group thing is like I, I don't put myself on the cover of the Facebook group because I want people to imagine themselves in my position, in my shoes. When I post testimonials for my clients, I often put emojis over their names, not to their privacies, they sign that away when they sign their terms and conditions, right? But to allow people to imagine themselves in that space. And it's not like, oh, I can't do that because Jessica's prettier than me, or she's younger than me, or whatever that comparison that comes in. So it's like humanizing in a way that people have a touch and they connect. And I mean, this is whether you're a coach or you're selling ice cream, it doesn't matter, right? Um, Versus allowing people to have that space where they can really fully be themselves in it, where they don't have to become you. Because I think that there's there's that happening inside of coaching businesses where people are emulating to the point where they're losing their sense of self. Um, We see this a lot in, you know, in the big hat manifesting girls, as I put it. as that, <laughs> you know what I'm, you know exactly what I'm I know. About. It's a brown felt hat. I, I, I can see it right now. Yeah. Oh. They, they all look the same and they are all emulating the same thing. And so there's a certain <laughs> level of like 
you can come in and build your Instagram grid to look that way, right? You can take pictures with that certain filter and you can leverage the like weight of the people who are more than more successful than you. It's almost like a franchise, right? It's like people have the name to face the brand recognition of McDonald's. They see the golden arches. Like if you make McDonald's coming to America, anybody from back in the day, um, if you make that thing, like people have an associated value that they can lean on. And that creates the pyramid scheme of coaches feel, right? The pyramid scheme of businesses where there's a level of attrition, like a copy of a copy of a copy. And that's what happens when you create this like very personal brand of this person that I am. Then people just start dressing like you. They start looking like you. They start following the cadence of your voice. They start taking your copy. And then it kind of all just gets worse and worse and worse as it goes. And so the dehumanization can also prevent that, right? It's like when you're not like, be like me, do exactly what I do. When you remove yourself from the business, you make space for people to have to be more creative, to have to be themselves. And I think that there's a lot of power in, in that dynamic when it comes to your brand building is to you know, kind of step back a little bit and force your clients to, to rise as themselves instead of just copying what you're doing. Hmm. I, I love everything that you said, uh, Nicole. Um, I, I see it too. And honestly, it, it just like makes my blood boil. When I mm. see people being the mini me, it's annoying as hell. Like I think that again, <laughs> what I said before, we're all our own guru. And what I teach my clients is to be themselves. It's to individualize. And I, I think that uh, to your point, um, removing your face, for example, so people can see themselves in that role works. But I also think once somebody's in your container, you know, helping them remember who the hell they really are is really where, where a lot of our value comes from. I will always say to my client that I have a lot of experience. I have great perspective, but it's not to substitute your own soul's wisdom, right? Like, so that's the work that I think is incumbent upon us as leaders of communities, as people who are running containers to help our clients remember the truth of who they really are because that's when they're gonna show up and shine and get the kind of results that they want and also be able to lead other leaders, right? Like, so I think it's a combination of the two, you know what I mean? Like I will say in my Facebook group, which is not very active, it's, it's not my, um, it, that is not my zone of genius and I'm okay with that, right? So my face is on it, but I honestly will use it as my own personal database. I, I put all of my content in there and I go through there and I find stuff that I'm going to use to repurpose. It's just a simple thing for me to do. And then of course I have a small community in there that I engage with, but you know, I, I don't know that it has to be one or the other. I want to say it this way. I don't know that it has to be one or the other where you don't have, where you don't put your face there. I think it's more of leaders leading leaders and helping people understand that they are a genius that they don't have to copy you in order to get results. When they tap into their truth, they can then get the results. And that, that's the thing that I really care about, like helping people free themselves from all the BS, from all the stuff that they think they need to do to be successful and remember that their truth is that they're already successful and it's just learning how to leverage that. Mm -hmm. I can feel, I can feel the passion rising up, Desiree, like you said. I call it giving birth to kittens. Joy, I can tell you have something to share. <laughs> oh, yeah. As far as personal brands go, yeah, I, I totally, you made me laugh with a brown felt hat. I was like, oh my gosh, yes. But I think, you know what? Stop posting perfect pictures all the time. Stop putting on this facade that every that you are not a multi-dimensional human being. So I think we've kind of created this by 
continuing to play into it. So I think, you know, as a personal brand, show, you know, if you, as many sides of yourself as you feel comfortable showing, like it gives other people permission to be themselves online and to show the sweaty pictures, you know, and something just happened and I'm not looking for sympathy, but it's just like real life, like be a real person. And I think it takes away this, well, once you hit, you know, a hundred K months, everything's perfect, you know, and you always, always have a photographer handy and you never sweat and you never cry. So I think we need more vulnerability and more realness. And I think, again, going back to the origin of our conversation, I think that's a beautiful gift out of the pandemic world is that we want real, no more, no more fake for us. And it's interesting. We're talking about AI, which I'm not saying is fake, but it's kind of not real. You know, it's, I think, where do we find this beautiful connection of being real, being vulnerable, being authentic, being transparent and living in this world. And I think we have to be very intentional about it and not fall into the, what everyone else is doing. What is, what is our brand? What does our personal brand look like in this world? And we get to pick, doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. Mm, I love that. I guess I'll chime in with one last thing and then we'll, we'll wrap up for today. And maybe we can have this conversation again. I hear what everyone's saying, and uh, I also am aware that when we create, when we're coming at things from a place of getting versus receiving, people want to take a bite out of success. They want to copy what we're doing because they're they're grabby because they there's a culture that gets created around getting. Even I see the the ads that come into my feed on Facebook every day is like, get more clients, get more, get more, get more, right? And so people want to get somewhere quickly and they, they've learned that they have to get that. So then we end up inviting people into our world that are coming in with an unmet need or a misdirected need. They're there for to be part of the cool kids club because they were treated like crap in high school, or they are there to you know, have a surrogate mom or a surrogate sister or whatever that that void is that they're trying to fill. And then they don't end up getting results because they're not even there for the for the reasons that maybe the coach is there for as well. So uh, very juicy discussion. All right. So we're going to wrap up. Hopefully this has served all of you. If it has, please let us know in the comments. Please share with others that you think would benefit from listening to this. And I know each of our amazing panelists have a juicy freebie for you. So Nicole, what is your free gift for everyone listening? So I would love to invite you guys to uh, check out the 100 wonderful ways to get more and better clients. It's at nonstopnotifications.com. And this is going to allow you to get started, not because you have to do a hundred different things, but because you have choices. You don't have to attract clients in one certain way. So try some on. It's kind of like going to a, going to a shoe store, right? Put some on, see how they fit, walk around in front of the mirror, um, see what feels really good for you and know that your true self ultimately attracts your true believer. You already are the attraction set point. It's just some strategies to help you to believe that. Awesome. And by the way, for all of you listening, we're going to be putting these links in the show notes and so on uh, so that you have access to them in case you're driving right now and you're not able to uh, write this down. Desiree. Oh, for me, <laughs> I have class. <laughs> and my masterclass really focuses on the inner work and the outer work to attract the right clients at the right prices. So I'm going to walk you through how my clients are adding $10,000 to $100,000 per month with a handful of high ticket clients. So you can find that at my website, which is powerhouseunleashed.com. Awesome. Thank you. Joy. 
Yes. Well, all the noise online that we've been talking about, what to focus on to grow and market your business in the easiest, simplest way. I have what's called the daily needle movers cheat sheet. Really like if you don't do anything else, just do these three things. It's really simple. So you can find that over at simplifytomultiply.com. Have fun downloading that. Keep it on your desk. Remind yourself to keep it simple. <laughs> awesome. And Eleanor. All right. So we kind of finished our conversation talking about doing it your doing it your way, you know? And so um, I have a quiz. It's called Your Selling DNA. And you can go to yoursellingdna.com. And basically what we do is we ask you some questions and then we identify which of sort of eight different types of selling archetypes are you, and then really outline some core core activities that you can take a look at that really allow you to um to sell in a way that feels aligned and persuasive for you. So your selling DNA.com. That's, good. That's awesome. It. Love it. And I mentioned before that we uh, do a lot of, I, I do a lot of podcast guesting and I own the podcast connector. So if you go to the podcastconnector.com, you'll see that we have the ultimate pitching toolkit. We have been told by many, many people that we should be charging money for that, but we don't, it's free. And it's going to give you uh, the roadmap for mapping out how you're going to be attracting podcasts. We have um, pitch templates in there and so on so that you're really set up for success so you can get to work on your own. And then of course, if you decide, hey, this is too much work, then you know uh, you know what you can do that, which is have us do that for you. So Thank you all for being here. I'm so grateful. Thank you all for listening. And we hope you found value in this. We'll see you again next time. Bye for now. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode. Don't forget, if you want to get booked on amazing podcasts, or if you're a podcast host and you want to get connected with some incredible guests, head over to thepodcastconnector.com to learn more about our service. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It truly means the world to us. And extra points if you take a screenshot and tag us on social media so that we can see that you're listening. Thanks again for tuning in. Have an amazing rest of your day, and we will chat with you again next episode.